today, Cal Tubbs, who's a pastor of Peace of Christ Church. Uh, it's a CBF Commission church starter in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, Kyle, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing. Well, thanks for having me on today, Andy. We are planning a church in, as you said, uh, Round Rock, which is just north of Austin. Uh, we've been going at this a little bit over three years now, and uh, we're having a blast. Um, so why Round Rock? You know, it's funny when you look back at stories, uh, you often reinterpret them and look at them differently. Um, when my wife and I look back at our story and we think, you know, what really drew us here? There was quite a few factors, but uh, one of the big things was we both felt uh, we were we had been married about three years and uh, my wife was finish, finishing a master's degree. I had already finished seminary and had started a Ph.D. work. Um, and she had followed me to a couple of different churches. Um, but we really felt that it was time for us to get to express, uh, what we would, we would say mutual calling. So she should be able to uh, fulfill her calling. I should be able to fulfill my calling and figure out how to do that together. Um, long story short in Texas on I-35 goes North and South in the state, um, at the time, over 75% of the counties that were west of I-35, which is where we were at, were shrinking population-wise. And then most of the counties on to the east side of I-35 were growing. And uh, we knew if she was going to get to fulfill her calling, which was teaching, we were probably going to need to uh, move somewhere along the I-35 corridor. And um, I had a lot of flexibility and was really open. So the big thing we wanted to be able to do, we wanted to be able to worship together. We both wanted to be able to fulfill our calling. And um, there ended up being a, uh, a county in Texas, which is where we're at. Uh, Williamson County is growing significantly. So in the year 2000, um, there was about 240,000 people in, uh, in Williamson County. But by 2012, when we started looking at planning the church, uh, the county was already over 500,000 people. So the county was growing significantly, and uh, there just needed to be a lot of churches uh, of all different denominations and flavors and uh, tons of church plants in the area. I mean, it, when I go to church planting network stuff here in Central Texas, there's generally more people that are part of church plants than there are of established churches, just the amount of church plants in the area. Um, so... You put those factors in a place that needed more churches. My wife and I wanted to be able to fulfill our calling together. We also wanted to be able to worship together. Uh, Mutual calling was really important. So uh, being a, uh, or mutual worship, I guess I should say, uh, is important. So being able to worship next to one another and uh, and be seen as equals, uh, viewed as equals when it comes to uh, anything related to the church uh, for both men and women was a priority. Um, we ended up meeting uh, some other people, getting connected to some other people who were also interested in uh, some common ideas. Uh, ba- Baptist freedoms were something that was common. Uh, gender equality was something that were, was common. And so a small group of us decided, you know what, this is a growing county. We have some common ideas. Um, none of us had any idea how to plan a church, but uh, we blindly decided to just go for it anyway. Perfect scenario, right? Blindly walk into something. 
Um, so when you consider all the churches in your area, I mean, you talked about that there's endless number of church starts. Um, why start another one? What makes peace of Christ distinct from all the rest? Uh, we, so we're planning a contemplative and liturgical conglomeration. Uh, I wouldn't say we're strictly contemplative. I wouldn't say we're strictly liturgical because we, we add in, uh, we have our own flair. We have our own flavor. Um, but there wasn't a church in the area that is that was practicing um, contemplative uh, corporate worship practices and liturgical elements in the in the service. I mean, we, we and and there still isn't right now. I mean, we would definitely welcome uh, other churches and partner with those. But uh, that was absent, as well as uh, we, our church engages in interfaith dialogue. And uh, while Austin to the south has a good interfaith network in Williamson County, uh, we're just about it right now. And uh, that is something that we're growing along with uh, other churches and other faith groups. Um, so we, ha- we had people that were passionate about something, and then we were also filling uh, – I guess a space that wasn't filled yet. You know, you talk about uh, contemplative worship and um, we oftentimes will work with church starters who have this very very unique uh, calling uh, and maybe more specifically a very unique vision. They want to start with this new church. Uh, And sometimes it's around style of worship or approach to discipleship. Um, You know, contemplative worship is not something exactly most people are looking for. So how did y'all discern that this was, uh, the right context for this style of worship and this way of approaching church together? So most of our people are uh, very cerebral, um, enjoy thinking through things. Uh, the tagline in our church is think deeply, love widely. And from the very beginning, we wanted to be a church where people didn't have to check their heads at the door. Uh, they could ask questions. They didn't have to worry about um, agreeing to some sort of uh, philosophy or theology that they didn't, if they didn't believe it, they didn't have to agree to it. They, you could think through things. You could think for yourself. Um, of course, we had a common vision, a common mission, some common board, core values, but we really wanted people to have safe space to be able to unpack and really think through um, ideas. So, the contemplative thing isn't something it, that that language we didn't use before we uh, started. I don't even know if we used it before we launched, but um, Aurelia, who is our pastor of spiritual formation and her and I uh, came on at the, the same time we were able to get connected um, through someone that we mutually knew. Uh, she was really passionate about the contemplative uh, side in worship. She had gone to a church in Waco called Dayspring with, uh, has a lot of commonalities with our church and many of the people in our church had never really experienced the contemplative side but it just seemed to fit for people to slow down to embrace silence to give uh give themselves room to think like one of the, the things that we do in worship is 
when someone gets up to lead an element, whether it's a reading or a song or some sort of responsive prayer, whatever it is, the next person behind them doesn't even get out of their seat until the person before them comes and sits down. And what that does is it adds an extra 30 seconds to a minute of silence in between elements. Uh, We also practice centering prayer in the service together. We um, practice Lectio Divina. Um, And the contemplative, I would say maybe it's even a a lowercase c because what we're doing is we're taking a, uh, a descriptive approach to what we're doing. So we're trying to, to make what we're doing uh, contemplative. Uh, we, don't, we don't necessarily have a big prescription as much as we're just trying to contemplative uh, or make everything contemplative that we do. As you talk about this ancient future uh, way of gathering together, worshiping together, um, how do y'all help someone who's coming in for the first time experience worship fully? How do you introduce them and invite them into this process? Yeah, that's a good question, Andy. And uh, we've had to grow in that area uh, because contemplative worship isn't something um, that at least people in our part of the state, if you've grown up in your more mainstream evangelical churches, it it might be something they've never experienced before. And early on, uh, I guess we put a lot of uh, weight on the discovery process. You know, people will come, and when they come, they'll discover it for the first time. And I think people enjoyed it, but we realized that they were confused. <laughs> so we try to uh, help not only prepare people verbally as they as they walk in, uh, but we also have some definitions that we put on our worship guides, as well as direct people to resources. So, uh, for example, if somebody comes in uh, and they're a visitor, our our greeters or me, uh, we might walk up to them and say, you know, we're a contemplative liturgical uh, style worship. And we'll explain a little bit about what that means. And then like uh, on the back of our guide, we have an explanation of centering prayer. Uh, and we and we point people to that because if not, if you're not paying attention to the worship guide, and then all of a sudden no one's doing anything for five minutes. Uh, there's this awkward pause where people are looking around. <laughs> Um, somebody's supposed to be doing something right now. So we do have to intentionally communicate, uh, with people, but the interesting thing is people love it. Uh, and I don't think they're just trying to be nice to me because sometimes these are my friends who who show up. Uh, I mean, people are experiencing something in worship that they've never experienced. And so in our County, uh, we're a heavy, white-collar county, of, and people work a lot of hours. People are working 60 hours. Uh, they're chasing their kids around uh, during the week. And this is a, a slow-down space. We have such an incredibly fast-paced culture, and all of a sudden, for just an hour, they step into something that is so countercultural. It's a really restful healing period. Um I mean, I, I, I experience it, but sometimes you look in people's eyes when they first experience this thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that uh, the worship could be this way. Um, I, I even tell people sometimes, you know, during the next 20 minutes during my sermon, if you need to zone out, <laughs> you need to go lay down in a pew at the back or close your eyes or whatever you need to do. 
if that will provide healing for you, uh, just dive into that. Um, don't feel the need to have to uh, speak or stand or listen to anything that I do. You can uh, you can engage in whatever healing you need to. So in our worship services, sometimes you'll see people that sit down and close their eyes. I mean, I don't really think they're sleeping, uh, but they they just close their eyes for periods during worship. Um, it's a very peaceful, quiet space. It's interesting to give people uh, permission to do that in worship. Um, I do find it fascinating, especially for liturgical and contemplative aspects of worship, for people to experience that for the first time. Like if we really kind of take a step back and say, oh, this is, this has got to be awkward for people. Like even the most simple things of a responsive reading, you know, for a new person, they're kind of like, what are they doing? You know, what is, what is, what is this about? Why are they speaking in unison? So it's, you know, the, the cool thing about what y'all are doing uh, is that you are uh, teaching people. Um, every element of what you do is an opportunity of discipleship, an opportunity of growth and development as a community. Uh, and uh, as individuals. Uh, so I compliment you and applaud you for, for that great work. You know, that, with that being a very unique uh, worship style and the culture that's really uh, shifted towards um, kind of interactive, high-volume um, type, of, type of worship, um, it, it sounds like you, you might have a specific type of people or group of people that you have connected with. Um, so tell us a little bit about more who who comes to Peace of Christ on Sunday mornings. So most people who come uh, are either invited relationally or find us through the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship website because we're listed on there. And that's been extremely helpful. <clears throat> but the types of people who who really enjoy what we're doing, I would say uh, I hate to put people in categories but if there has been something that um, that we found commonalities in one another, it would be two different things. And, and the really inter- interesting thing is <clears throat> it's not like we advertise this way. Uh, so the first category would be the DUNS, D-O-N-E-S. So for a long time in uh, statistics, when they were looking at people who are leaving the church, they sort of threw everybody into the NUNS, N-O-N-E-S category. Um, and of course, as you you break those down, I mean, there's not like one profile for a nun, but often a nun is, uh, will be someone who says, I do not identify with any religion or, uh, not yet, not, um, not for me. I mean, that, again, that, that is a very wide category. But the duns category are people that are been there, done that, and you know heard the sales pitch, experienced it all. Don't feel like doing that anymore. And really, that's uh, that's been a big category that we've connected with. So, what we don't have is we don't have people who are transferring memberships. So, I mean, we're not sending out letters to churches saying so and so has joined our church now. Most of our people haven't been members of a church in a really long time, or maybe they've never been a member of a church in their adult life, or they're in their early to mid thirties and uh, they haven't been a part of church in 10 years, 
but they're interested in what we're doing now. Uh, we also have people that got really tired and burned out on church or burned at church and decided, I don't really want to do that anymore. But we're trying, we're doing something that is so simple. One of our unofficial mantras, and I know lots of churches have used this, but it's simple and sacred. So the things that we do is very simple. We try not to overload people so they get burned out. We also try to keep things very meaningful. So uh, when people are connecting with us, they're finding something that they haven't experienced before. Uh, we also we have a lot of people who have seminary degrees and that have thought a lot about theology. And uh, they got tired of traditional and when I use traditional, I'm not an anti-tradition person. I don't. I love tradition, but just very traditional paradigms for church in our area. Uh, people got tired of that, so they just quit going or quit connecting. And then uh, they found us, and we are we're a refreshing alternative to that. Um, the other, so the Duns category is one, and then the other uh, category is I don't know if you have um, if you've ever. Uh, experienced um, James Fowler's stages of faith, but uh, he has these six stages that people progress through. And we have a lot of people that are in the later stages, uh, the four or five, uh, even people progressing maybe toward the sixth stage. And basically what those stages are, it's, it's a, it's a developmental approach to faith formation. And when people move out of this, uh, very literal approach to faith and they find metaphor and meaning uh it's hard to go back so we have a lot of people that really enjoy mystery enjoy uh embracing questions and doubt um and again it's once you experience and understand faith through that lens, it's hard to um, experience faith in the way of your uh, spiritual childhood. So I had an honest conversation with someone recently um, where they were constantly using categories to describe, you know, those that were in their church and not in the church. And so I started using the language of none and duns with them. And we got pretty deep in this conversation and it's kept kept noticing that they had this this kind of peculiar look on their face every time I used the uh, term nuns. And finally, I said, is, is, you know, is there something going on? That, you know, is there something I'm saying that you don't agree with? And I said, no, just when you talk about nuns, I just want to clarify, like, are you talking about like Catholic nuns? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, 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 that's not, that's yeah. not, yeah, that's not all what we're talking yeah. about. So let's, let's that's why, yeah, that's why I always, that's why I always spell out the N-O-N-E. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to, to something you said earlier. Um, you spoke about that, um, you know, in, in the Austin area, there's a great interfaith dialogue uh, community um, taking place. But in Williamson County, there's there's not. Uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about the work you've done with interfaith dialogue. So on uh, Wednesdays, once a month, we have a community interfaith dialogue. And we put together the program and the speakers, but we host it at a community space. It's called Art Space. It's this art gallery that uh, uh, the city uh, provides the space, and uh, we're able to sit around and visit with our 
neighbors who are Muslim and Baha'i and Jewish and Hindu and Mormon. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Like it doesn't, you don't have to go very far to experience the plurality of uh, religious colors in the world. So we, we hold a space and what we do each month is we'll have a different speaker or a different religion or some sort of topic that could even uh, transcend multiple religions. Uh, and then we come together and we visit with those people and we learn from one another and we, we understand each other. And then uh, once a year, we have a big panel discussion, Marie. We invite all of our speakers to come back together, and uh, we actually use the library across the uh, across from this art gallery that we meet at, so we can hold uh, quite a bit more people. And we have those people dialogue with each other. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to be connectors. We're trying to be bridge builders. Um, and it's been amazingly refreshing to uh, be able to open up doors uh, with our uh, re religious neighbors, as well as provide space for people who've never uh, been able to do that in a church setting before. Yeah, I wonder, um, you know, what kind of effect has this had on uh, the development, growth, uh, and worldview of, of the members of Peace of Christ? Uh, this has provided an opportunity for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, it's interesting when you look at uh, what Jesus did and even what Paul did and how they were constantly engaging people that thought differently, that worshiped differently, uh, that were in um, different worldly categories. Uh, they engaged those people and they got to know them and they got to listen to them. So, when we give our neighbors space to express themselves and talk about what their life is like and their joys and their challenges uh, living in our city and in our county, uh, we're able to connect with those neighbors in ways that we wouldn't to be able to otherwise. And people in our church have loved to build friendships with these people that we would put in the quote, others category. Uh, I, we don't really see them as others anymore. They're just people who live in Round Rock, and uh, we love them, and they love us, and what we're hoping for is that we can even build further partnerships that possibly we can engage in social action together in our community. It's brilliant work. Um, you know, as I listen to you talk about uh, interfaith dialogue, um, you know, not just you as yourself, but as, you know, Peace of Christ as a community as a whole, and as you talk about the way that y'all approach worship, um, would would you say that inclusive is a proper description of your community? Yeah, what we're trying to do is we're trying as hard as we can to break through barriers, boundaries, categories, and really have, uh, I, I guess the difference, the language that uh, we've heard and that we've used is the difference between a centered set and a bounded set. So in a bounded set, it's very hard. These are the people that are in. These are the people that are out. This is how you get in. This is how you keep yourself out. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to be centered. We're trying to be centered on Christ. So one of the guys in our church, uh, Matt Henzelka, who is a CBF-endorsed chaplain, he likes to use this metaphor, and he used it from very close to the beginning, and, and we love it at our church. 
He says it's like you have this watering hole in the middle of a scorching uh, desert. And there's all these animals that come around the watering hole because when it's hot outside, you don't care if the alligator and the hyena and the elephant and the giraffe, if they're all drinking from the same water, really that's the thing that you focus on. And, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be centered on the water. Now for us, the water then would be the living water. That would be Christ. Um, so we're not worried about uh, people being out. We think that everyone should be in and can be in. And uh, so us being centered, being a centered set church is uh, a goal of ours. Kind of a fascinating aspect of your story, um, being a three-year-old church start, is that um, you've not always been known as, as Peace of Christ Church. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the shift in the name. So in our three years, we've it's come out to about once a year now. We've had some big thing in our church where we decided we need to get together and have a consensus decision. And uh, in some ways, uh, I look back and think, you know, what were we thinking? I mean, there's a lot of risk when you decide to have your whole church come together and uh, and decide something. But for us, it's been really valuable. So the first year, we had to get together and decide um, what does baptism look like for us. And what is it, how does it relate to membership? And really what it did is it opened up a conversation about inclusivity and, uh, and about embracing our, our past and as well as celebrating our future. Um, in the second year, we had to rethink our mission, vision, core values, because some of the language that we had used at the beginning didn't really fit who we were. Uh, but we were, again, we were able to come together. It took a lot of time, a lot of hours sitting around. Uh, but really we were unified in a mission, vision, core values. So our most recent thing that we decided to do was we asked ourselves, does our name really fit us? Um, there are quite a few grace something in the area. There's a grace pregnancy center and a grace school and grace Lutheran, grace Episcopalian, grace point interdenominational. There are so many different graces. So it was hard because I would go to uh, some sort of uh, community meeting or I'd be uh, around the city council, or I'd be at Ministerial Alliance, and I'd say, I'm from Grace Baptist, and people go, oh, you're from Grace, and they would assume it was a different Grace. And being a church plant, that, so that was really tough, because we don't have a, uh, a place for the sign. Um, so just logistically, the Grace part was really hard. Another thing is, people go, oh, you're Baptist, and the types of Baptist people that were coming because they heard we were Baptists were often a different type of Baptist than we are. We would consider ourselves historical Baptists. We embrace uh, the four fragile freedoms. I really think that freedom part of Baptist uh, has really resounded with our people, even people who don't come from Baptist backgrounds. But we wanted people to know, hey, it, we're not just Baptists. We, we are this flavor Baptist. And that flavor Baptist is Cooperative Baptist, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Uh, the other piece is if, okay, you, we could deconstruct the grace part all day long, but we're going to have to reconstruct. So how, what fits us well? And we sent out surveys. We had meetings. It's amazing how long it took for us to arrive at a name. But we ended up arriving at a name, uh, Peace of Christ Church. And we think that it is, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a visionary name because we want our church to be a peaceful space, a safe space, um, a place where people are engaging in the shalom 
and reconciliation of God in all of creation. So uh, our church name is Peace of Christ Church, and then our subname would be a Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. So we're letting people know that we are a contemplative church. Uh, this Peace of Christ name, we feel, uh, conveys that in a way. And then we are also letting people know, hey, we, we're this type of Baptist. We're proud of CBF, and uh, we hope to partner um, as a CBF church in our community with non-CBF churches, but we also want to be able to connect to the, uh, the larger fellowship uh, all around the world. Yeah, I love the process uh, that y'all went through uh, to discover uh, and discern together. Um, you know, one of the aspects of church starting that um, a lot of people don't consider is that a healthy church starts uh, come around shared visions. And the process that you led people through uh, really shows just how much um, this was a communal decision. Uh, this isn't Kyle. This isn't the leadership team. This is a group of people that have come together that believe in what you're doing and unify. And, and really, the name speaks to a greater narrative of, of what you're doing um, as a church. Um, so that's, that's great, great work. Uh, we're very thankful for our partnership with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Uh, they've been an incredible uh, resource. Um, personally, providing coaching, uh, connecting with other church starters around the country, uh, and we don't feel alone. Um, church planning can be uh, lonely sometimes. Uh, if you don't have a regular church office, you're not already plugged in the community, but from the very beginning, uh, CBF has always been there. People from CBF have reached out and uh, gone the extra mile to, to walk with us no matter uh, where we went or what we were doing, uh, we've always felt loved and appreciated and prayed for, and we're very thankful for that partnership. Well, we're grateful for you and grateful for the work you're doing uh, and look forward to, uh, to many new chapters and stories to learn from each other in the future. For more information about Kyle and Peace of Christ, you can visit peacewilco.com or find them on Facebook, Peace of Christ Church. Thanks for joining this Church Starts Conversation. For more information about church starting and other initiatives about the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, visit cbf.net.